Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm B. And I'm Audrey. This is Triple F Dogcast, uh, the podcast about those faithful furry fucks we call our own. Um, did I already say welcome back to the show? I think so. I think yeah. so. Well, but welcome. Welcome back to the show. Oh, well, I really appreciate back. that you guys are here and listening to us talk. Um, so yeah, as many times as I can say it. <laughs> How was your week, Audrey? Um, it was, it was okay. Um, back working retail for the holidays. Right. Are you in the holiday village? So I'm at one of the holiday markets in New York City. Yes. <laughs> at a dog booth. <laughs> at a dog booth. Yes. Uh, it's been pretty good. It's, it started on Monday, but it feels like a lifetime. Oh, um, <laughs> you have so many more days left, Audrey. I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, it's only, it hasn't even been a week. But it's fun and it's fast paced, so it goes by quickly, which is nice. Um, and I've sold so many goddamn dog jackets, it's insane. I sold 10 dog jackets yesterday. Well, in New York, you need them. I do, but they're not cheap dog jackets. They're like 75 to $100 dog jackets. Yeah, well, you're shopping at the Holiday Village in New York yeah. City, everything in those booths is as expensive as they can be. It's true. We're probably like the cheapest one. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're at least, you know, working through the winter. I know that'll make you feel a little bit better, even though it's the job of your nightmares. Yeah, I'm sick. I'm inside all day. Oh, that's good. Cause yeah. Because some people aren't. I know. <laughs> I know all I do is like I just have to walk to the train and then once I'm on the train I just get off in the next stop and my the job is inside so it's like I don't have to exit I don't have to go outside is it the until same place I go where, back home is it the same place where Lo and I saw you like last year or something yeah okay. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so it's so like what? I don't even have I don't even have to go above ground <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect but um but dude, all the crazies come out for this this time of year. Last year, I had a couple crazy like people, like dog people, come who like think they're so smart. I think I told you about this one lady who came up to me last year and was like, "Dogs shouldn't wear clothing," and like <laughs> went on this like tirade about like how dogs shouldn't wear clothes because like it's not in their nature and they're like dogs and they don't need clothes. And because, like, they're, like, dogs. And I was, like, so what kind of dogs do you have? And she's, like, I have a chihuahua. And I was, like, okay, so, like, chihuahuas, like, were bred to just, like, sit on your lap. Right. So, like, yeah, they, they get cold. They get cold when they go outside in the snow in 30 degrees. Well, also, like, <laughs> has she ever, like, met an Italian greyhound? Like, I feel like those are common <laughs> in New York City. And they need they clothes. Are. She was just, like, so high and mighty. And she was, like, I'm a dog trainer. Oh, and bitch, I was, like, funny. I, I was like, yeah, so am I. And I know dogs need clothes. <laughs> that was like the, the when I talked about that woman at the dog park. She was like, I've been a dog sitter for 12 years. I was like, I've been a dog trainer for 10. You're lying. You're lying. Dog yeah, coats like just, and, tw just, you know, 20 dogs for one person is not safe. Yeah, like just put a fucking jacket on this pit bull because it's cold. It doesn't have any fur. It's got like naked little pink fur. skin on its tummy. Exactly. Just put them in a cute sweater, for Christ's sake. The difference is, like, you know, you, you have proper winters. There's very few days in Los Angeles where the dog yeah. actually needs to be dressed. 
Um, but there's some of them. I remember a couple years ago when Freya was young, uh, we used to have to walk the dogs late at night because I got home late. And uh, it was legitimately cold outside, and we had to buy each of the dogs a coat. But that was only, like, for three weeks, and then they had to go into storage. And I will see people, like, we're approaching um, the season in Los Angeles where people use the season as an excuse to dress their dogs up. And what happens, though, is that sometimes, like, we'll have days in December that are 75, 80 degrees. And people will Mm -hmm. have their little, like, dog at the dog park still wearing its, like, little Christmas sweater. It's like, your dog's going to die. Why do you think it's panting so hard? You got to use a little bit of common sense. If you're very, use very your judge, Use judgment, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, if it's cold, like, yeah, go ahead and put a sweater on your dog. We used to say, um, and this is also the reference point that we use for horses. Um, and there's, you know, all this debate about whether horses need blankets or not. Um, but if you're wearing like a light, like a zip up sweatshirt, your dog doesn't need uh, protection. But if you wanted to, if you're wearing two layers, your dog could probably benefit from a little sweater. And if you're going full out winter coat, gloves, scarf, your dog should have a a coat on. Yeah. People are always like, how do you know if your dog's cold? And I'm like, well. Are you cold? (laughs) (laughs) But they have fur. And I'm like, I mean, if they're shaking, they're probably cold. And shivering is not a bad thing, just to mention. Like, shivering is how an animal warms up. Shivering doesn't mean mm. your dog is dying. Um, but if your dog is shivering, they're but, definitely cold enough to shiver. And you could probably, in, they would Yeah, enjoy. because if, they, if, they're, if they're trying to warm up, that means they're cold. Right. Well, that's the other thing. I'm curious. Like, do you put little booties on Sherlock in the winter? Yeah. So, booties, that was something I learned when I came to New York, is that booties are essential strictly because i mean especially in the city it really depends on where you are but they throw salt on the ground um for the snow and that's what it like burns their paws it really hurts their paws so that's the reason for the booties booties. yeah so most people you see them walking around with booties in the winter yes oh yeah and like at the market people are like where are your booties my dog needs booties it's like everyone is constantly on the search for booties (laughs) there's a booty deficiency Honestly, there was in the last year. You know that brand Paws that are like the little balloons oh God, for their I feet. So issues with that, but yes. Okay, they were they sold out, and we were the only ones in New York City that had them. And people were just like freaking out, like calling us, like, "Do you have Paws? Do you have Paws? I need Paws." I think the concept of, the concept of Paws is is really good, but I've seen I've had two issues, and I. This was like the only booty that we sold at the pet store for a long time. So it was the yeah. one I, I used. Um, and I used to use them, use them more for medical. Like if the dog um, had an injury on their foot or needed, you know, was licking their feet really badly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get them too big, they fall off the second the dog starts walking. Mm-hmm. And if you get them too small, you cut off the circulation and your dog's foot yep. will swell, which is what I had. Um, we put one on Walter because she had a, a foot injury. And I, in the morning when I woke up, uh, her foot was like 10 times the size of the other foot. Um, and I called the vet. I had to cut the paws off. And I called the vet. And they were like, you know, keep an eye on her. It should go down. And it did go down. But, like, that was just overnight. And I had put it on her so she wouldn't, like, chew on, on the, the foot. I was just, like, mortified in the morning. 
um, felt bad that I did I, I did the same thing with Sherlock, except his, his were, like, the right size for him. But it's still, like, because it's rubber, there's zero ventilation. Yeah. So when I took his it off in the morning because I put it on at night to sleep through the night. So he wouldn't lick his infection. He was, his paw was just like sweat, like wet from sweat. Yeah. Cause the bottom of their feet do sweat. That's like yeah, one of so, the places a dog sweat. And then, and then on top of it, his paw was blue. Oh God. So scary. Yeah. I don't know. Because like, it, from the, the paw was blue. The I paws. Would, blue. <laughs> I feel like I would rather, if you really want to use like a latex, like, because like, I understand that the concept is you can walk around outside and the, the booties don't get wet, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like it would even be better to just, like, literally take plastic bags and then, like, loosely tape them around your dog's ankle. Like, because the thing about the paws is you it has to be tight to stay on. Yeah, I think, like, the best ones are ones that are made of, like, a fabric that are breathable and... Like, you can tighten as much as you need to around them. Yeah, and it's, like, I like the ones that have um, maybe two two straps to tighten it. It comes, like, halfway up the dog's leg. Um, those are more likely to stay on than the ones that just kind of, like, fit yeah. around the ankle. That's good for you, but not for Sherlock because he's so short that That's ones true. that are too tall are super uncomfortable for him. I swear, it's, like, everyone's, like, booty needs are so different well, that's the challenge is because like yeah. you buy one it says large but who knows if your dog's foot is the same shape of large as the dogs they used you know to to test the the, the sizes it's just no Ooh, guarantee it's gonna fit well no <laughs> well so um well so okay so i saw some weird shit yesterday okay tell me about it so okay so i'm at my holiday market and uh, one of my coworkers comes, and she and I are just kind of like fixing the booth up. And this guy comes with a uh, a bull terrier, so like the dog from Target. And he had a muzzle on, and you know, like that's fine. That doesn't bother me. I see dogs with muzzles. That just to me is like a sign that, like you know, you definitely want to make sure you ask, you know, like if it's an aggression with other dogs or if it's an aggression with humans. Um, so I just kind of keep my distance, which is the smart thing to do. If you see a dog with a muzzle is keep your distance. Um, but immediately like this guy, like he was being friendly to me and my coworker, but I, there was just something about him where he seemed like he was just very dominant and very forceful over the dog. And then I started seeing him like, he was like, I want a jacket. I want booties like this and that. And so we're trying things on and he's like, no, like let me do it. So like, I was like, okay, so this dog gets human aggression. Um, and then just the way he was, when he asked the dog to sit B, mm -hmm. it was like the dog sat and stared at the floor. Yeah, that's not, it I was like, and I, I mean, I knew I was like, this is fucked up. I was like, this guy is using some super like alpha dominant, forceful, aggressive, like training methods on his dog. And he's like, sit, stay. And he was like, the dog was staring, like staring at the ground and just like, kind of like hunched over. Like, is that fun to own a dog that's afraid of you? <sighs> It's unfortunate, too, because probably the reason that dog wears a muzzle is because um, 
early on, these training techniques resulted in a dog that was snapping at and growling at his owner. Um, yeah. And, and so then, um, the yeah. And then, so the guy's trying the coat on and then my coworker, like, he's not doing it right because he's like trying to like, he he's just like trying to be so like dominant over this dog that he's like, just kind of like not doing anything right. And so my coworker reached over to help him with the strap and if he snapped at her, I mean, he was wearing a muzzle, so she was fine. But I looked Still at her scary. and I was, and I was like, I was like, don't ever do that again. I was like, like, I don't care. Like, don't do that again. It's not worth it. No. And then he was just, and then like he, he threw, like he was trying to put the booties on and he just threw the dog on the ground and put his legs over him and was like, it was awful. And like after the guy left, like I had people like neighbors from neighboring booths come over and be like, that was so fucked up. Like that guy was abusing his dog. And I was like, I just wanted him to, I was just trying to get him to like wrap things up and leave. And it's tough when like you're in a position like I was, cause it's like, what do you, what do you say to people like that? But even like I noticed like someone must have said something because a cop came over and was staring at them. And and he said to the owner, he said, does this dog bite humans? And the guy was like, oh, no, he doesn't. You know, it's just, you know, people, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you're in New York. It's so busy. Like people don't ask. They just do. And I just want to prevent anything from happening. But obviously, from what I witnessed five minutes ago. Right. The dog does. does snap. Um, I will say something just about muzzles like that. Um, that's totally fine for people to walk. It was, a, it was like a basket cage muzzle. It was actually, it was a nice muzzle. It was like a leather muzzle that was like made for him. For his egghead. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a nice muzzle. And like, obviously, like, you know, it's true. If you know you have a dog like that, you, you know, you are doing your part in protecting others. Because if something does happen to another dog or another person, God forbid, it is on you. Right. Um, and that's actually, I was trying to look it up. Um, it's some Scandinavian country. I, I thought it was Norway, but I, I don't seem to think it, it's that now. But um, every dog anywhere has to wear a muzzle when it leaves the house. The dog has to be leashed and muzzled. They have no dog fights because the dogs can't fight. And dogs don't bite people because the dogs can't bite. They're not saying that your dog has to be muzzled in the home. It's just that when you bring your dog out into a public space, it's safer for your liability to have a muzzle on the dog because anybody that, um, you know, uh, crosses boundaries or anything like that, uh, it it's not your fault. Your dog can't bite. You're just avoiding, you know, these issues. So, I mean, there's a dog at my dog park uh, who comes, she's a German shepherd and she comes in a muzzle um, every time. And her, the reason is that she likes balls so much, she'll get uh, ball defensive. But if she's wearing her mm -hmm. muzzle, she can't pick up the balls. And so she actually plays with the other dogs. But it takes a little bit of, of a moment when you walk into the dog park and this, like, muzzled German shepherd runs up to you and your dogs. You're like, uh, you know, and then you meet the yeah. owner and, and she's yeah. like, oh, you know, this is why we use the muzzle. Uh, she snapped once at a dog at the dog park and her owner decided she was going to teach her to use a muzzle at the dog park. Uh, so like, I kind of see where maybe that would come from, but no aggressive, um, training techniques will absolutely result in a dog that snaps and bites. 
and a bull terrier is one of the worst breeds I can imagine using uh, those sorts of techniques with because bull bull terriers don't. Um, it takes a lot for them to like feel pain. Like you know, like oh. I, I I was talking about Bruce last week. Um, I actually like, kicked him in the face like full strength when he was in the house because oh, he used to like follow me around like right under my feet and I turned around to do something quickly and I kicked him full strength right in his you know egg head. And there's so much fucking bone in that head. I hit the floor and he was just like wagging his tail. Like that was fun. Like I can't even tell you how hard I kicked him. I felt like I broke a toe. And my first reaction was like, oh my God, my precious dog, this precious baby. And he was just like, I'm fine. You know, it was like every bull bull terrier um, and a lot of pit bulls and a lot of bulldogs I've known are very much like that. Like their pain tolerance is through the roof. So if you're going to use aversive training techniques, you know this guy has to beat his fucking dog to get that sort of reaction out of him. Yep, and it showed. It showed. And everyone saw it. It was crazy. I'm sorry you had to uh, be there for that. That's difficult. Yeah, it was so fucked up. And, of course, like that just like does not put you in a good mood when you see that. No. Um, it's just awful. It's hard. Like, what do you do in that situation? Um, don't try to talk to the person about it. They don't care. A uh, hundred thousand exactly. people have already told them what they're doing is wrong and they don't care. Um, the, the hard thing about aversive training is you do see results like this. His dog sits. His dog does what he says because the dog is afraid. Yeah. Of and he yeah, this guy probably thinks he has a super well-behaved dog or like a great relationship with his dog. But he he's not yeah. reading any body language and he's not picking up on um, the fact that his dog's aggression is a result of his training behaviors. I mean, even if even if he adopted this dog with these behavioral issues, you would not then go on to be physically and verbally rough with the dog because you're asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. So I have a similar situation um, since our weird shit uh, section this week is really just us like complaining Complaining. about the horrible training techniques we've we've seen. Um, There's a house on the route that I typically walk. uh, And this morning, a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we noticed that there are two chihuahuas turned into two chihuahuas and a Belgian Malinois puppy. Okay, now, oh God. I love Belgian Malinois. They're one of my, like, heart breeds. Like, I see one and I melt. I want one someday. I've worked with a bunch of them, and I think they are so um, sweet and kind and uh, intelligent dogs. You know, but they're also really high-energy dogs. Uh, they are dogs that are used for, like, police work and, um, you know, Mm-hmm. property guarding so anyway these little chihuahuas at this house are like ah, rah, 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 every time we walk by at the top of their lungs and obviously this little like eight-week-old malinois puppy is copying the behavior he's learning how to bark at dogs that walk past um and i walk past a couple times this week and i like look at his pointy little face because he's so cute and um mm. i walked past today and he was wearing a shock collar so this dog can't be older than 12 weeks old. I would guess younger based on the way the dog looks. And the dog is wearing a shock collar. And I was upset almost to the point of tears. I had been on the phone with my friend. And, um, you know, I, I was telling her, like, the dog is set up so that he's tempted to bark constantly because he's being left outside with these other barking chihuahuas. But this one has to wear a shock collar? Why just this one? you're making it so hard on that poor dog to learn. 
And so the dog was barking with the other dogs, and I heard the dog get shocked, and it ran backwards and cried. And then it oh kept crying. It kept crying. And it was like, I don't know, is the bark collar picking up on the barks of the other dogs? And here's another fucked up thing about bark collars, is they're supposed to work off of the vibration in your dog's throat, which means if your dog burps or coughs, sometimes they get <gasps> shocked. Oh. And if your dog cries loud enough, sometimes they get shocked. So this puppy, I heard it like whimpering and crying because it was getting shocked repeatedly. And I was so upset. And then I got to the end of the block and the alleyway that we usually go down um, was blocked off, which meant I had to turn around and walk back past oh, that puppy. Oh my God. And know that I was going to be complicit in that dog being shocked again. And I was like, choking back tears while I was walking past that puppy because it just so I feel like I'm gonna cry now talking about it oh it god so don't hurt my cry. feelings um that they weren't giving that dog a chance that instead yeah. they just well we've had her for two weeks and she's annoying let's slap a shock collar on her and it's like they leave their dogs outside all the time what do you expect is gonna happen yeah, and they have two yappy fucking chihuahuas. How do you think, like, what do you think he's learning? I just, like, I was, I felt like I needed to, like, write a letter and put it in their mailbox. But at the same time, it doesn't mean anything to these people. And God forbid, I don't want to train their dogs because I know what kind of people they are because yeah. I've seen the way they handle their dogs. Um, you know, but I just, like, you know, we've, we've had shock collar conversations, um, me and you in the past, which is, like, shock collars used for rattlesnake aversion. Excellent. Shock collars used for uh, behavioral issues, lazy. And if you use a shock collar because your dog is barking, the only acceptable time I will even give you a pass for it is one, um, you're at the end of your rope and this or the dog goes back to the shelter, or two, um, your landlord is at the end of their rope and it's either this or you get kicked out of your building. I will let people try shock collars in those situations, but um, a lot of times it just makes your dog more aggressive and Malinois can get snappy and aggressive if they're um, handled wrong. And I can just foresee that sweet little puppy that like licked my fingers two weeks ago turning into um, an aggressive adult dog. It just really pissed me off this morning. Dude, that's fucked up. It's just not right. And it's hard because like I said, there's you see results. Um with aversive training, yeah. but they don't last. The results don't last, which is why when someone has to be alpha or dominant, they have to do it all the time. They do it constantly because as soon as you back off of it, um, the dog never even got any explanation of what you're expecting them to do. They just got in trouble for the wrong thing. It's like if you just tell someone no all the time, but you never tell them yes, there's a million hundred things that can be no, but if there's only one thing that's supposed to be a yes, how is your dog going to guess unless you don't explain it to them? You can't explain it to them through beating them up. It no, pisses me you off. can't. So anyway, that was a horrible weird shit. Um, just yeah, was, sorry to bum everyone out. Uh, yeah, it was like, what, first 15 minutes of the show and I cried, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so this is kind of a good segue, I guess, is, um, you know, okay, so aversive training gets you fast results, but not results that last. Positive reinforcement training is slower results, um, but results that, that last. And we talked last week about, um, like, the follow-through checklist. Like, can, you, can your dog do what you ask them to do uh, when you ask them to do it? And kind of when you and I were talking, we came to the point that the hardest one I think for most people is motivation 
Totally. So how do you motivate your dog to follow through? So there's a bunch of different things we can talk about. The first one, the easy one, how do you motivate your dog to follow through? Food. Uh, it was like, um, one of our listeners, uh, talked to me about the last episode where like you were carrying the bully stick and, and Sherlock was just like healing perfectly yeah. the whole way home. And they were like, I didn't realize that I could do that once in a while. And that's, that's, that's a fun <laughs> walk, you know? And I was like, yeah, do it whenever the fuck you want. Like the only person who, you know, it's like, if you don't mind holding the bully stick or the tennis ball or the bowl of treats, just do it. You're going to go have a fun walk. If for whatever reason you have this, um, uh, aversion to using food to train that, you know, some people have that. And so it can be a little bit, um, trickier. So other than food, like what do you use typically if you're, if you're training a dog, uh, other than food, how is a way that you can tell your dog that they did a good job? So what I, well, what I did today, actually, I didn't have food with me. So I use my marker and then as soon as I get home, he gets a treat. Okay. So that's actually a really good way to do it. If you have a really strong marker, like the word yes, and your dog knows a treat will follow mm-hmm. it, um, you can you can do that. You can say yes, and then five minutes later, give your dog the treat. Mm-hmm. There's a little part of their mind that's still like, this is when, you know, I heard the yes. Because they hear the yes, and that, like, I'm reinforced feeling, you know, happens anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that yeah, excellent. I say like, I say yes. And then I praise him. Mm-hmm. And then like, he just kind of like looks at me and is trotting like, okay, okay. Like, when do I get my treat now? <laughs> yeah. So praise is also a good one. Um, and, and okay. So this can be a little tricky. Yes means get a treat. Yes means you get food put in your mouth, but yay. Good boy. Good girl. I love you. You're so cute. You're so smart. Um, that's just verbal praise and verbal praise does not have to be paired with a treat. But what's really useful to do is what you did, which is you say yes, and then you praise and praise and praise and praise and praise, and then you give your dog a treat. And what happens is the dog starts to associate food with the sound of the good boy, good girl, and eventually you can fade off of the food and just use good boy, good girl, and your dog still knows that they're doing the right thing. It's never going to be as juicy of a paycheck as getting the treat is going to be. But if you pair the food um, with another thing, like praise or petting or a toy, you can Im- improve the, um, the strength of, of the secondary reinforcer. So you take primary reinforcer, which is food, and you attach it to it, the secondary reinforcer of you and your dog's choice. I wouldn't choose petting for Sherlock because we know he's not super into petting. But happy voices work really well. Um, a lot of dogs like jogging. So if you're on a walk and your dog does what you say, yeah. you can jog a couple steps and that's a reward. Um, but if you, there are things like that, they don't naturally reinforce your dog. You got to pair them with food first and stick to it for a little while before you wean off of it. How long, I mean, how long do you think you should be using food for motivation? Um, so it's different for every dog and it's obviously different for every person. Uh, if you're willing to use food forever, there's no reason not to because your dog is just going to be sharp on you. Um, but, you know, there's certain places where you can't have food, like the dog park and, you know, stuff like that. Um, my general rule is you use food rewards when you're establishing a behavior for the first time 
or you're fine-tuning a behavior your dog already knows. So the very first time that you teach your dog to stay, there's going to be a lot of treats involved. Maybe you get to the point where you have a two-minute stay, no problem. Uh, but then you decide you want to increase it to a three-minute stay, you'd need to pull the treats back out for um, making the behavior more difficult. Or maybe your dog has a decent heel, um, and when you first taught heel, you established it with treats, and it's been six months, uh, and your dog heals, but they heal two feet away from you instead of, like, right next to your leg. You would pull the treats out to, to fine-tune the heel, to, to fix the heel, and then you could fade off of the treats again. Uh, so it really kind of depends on how fast your dog grabs the behavior, how fast um, your dog remembers the behavior, and what your dog's, like, general motivation level is. Yeah. Do you think dogs like could get tired of the same reward? Absolutely. Um, like even if it's food, because sometimes I feel like I'll be with Sherlock on a walk and I have food and but something like too exciting happens to where even like my really nice expensive tree like isn't worth it for him to not bark at that motorcycle that drives by. That's a really good question. Um, I think there's kind of two ways to tackle that. Uh, the first is there, you know, the, the concept of, um, deprivation and satiation. Like if you, if you give your dog a lot of food, eventually the dog gets full and is like, eh, I don't need that. Or the food is so constant and present in your dog's life that they actually don't feel like they need to collect food and it doesn't feel like a reward to them. This tends to happen with dogs that are free fed. Um, you just uh, leave yeah. a bowl of food on the ground. You can't even get those. You bring a kibble over to that dog and the dog's like, eh, they'll be kibble on the floor <laughs> later. Um, so, uh, deprivation is a huge part of maintaining motivation and it scares people to do this. But one of my favorite ways to start a new puppy is you put a Tupperware container on the counter and you put in that Tupperware the whole day's worth of food. And it lives on the counter and you give your dog handfuls of kibble whenever you want to reinforce behaviors. In other words, your dog is never getting to eat a whole meal out of a bowl. Your dog has to walk next to you on the walk and they get a quarter of their meal there. And then they have to settle down in the living room while you fold laundry and they get another quarter of their meal then. And then you have to crate your dog while you leave and so you stuff another quarter of their kibble in a Kong. And then that evening you do some behavior strings and they get the rest of their food then. And so that's the concept of deprivation is they have to come to you to get the food that they need and they're hungry and, and you provide it. I'm not saying you starve your dog. Your dog should still get to eat all of the food at the end of the day. If you didn't kill the container, just put it on the ground and let them have the rest. But, but it's also, it's saying it's like, it's not a, free, it's not a free resource. It's something that has to be earned. Right. And so that's a, a big thing. We're going to, we're going to roll into that in a second. Um, so, yeah, I mean, also, very simply, don't feed your dog before you go on the walk. Like, yeah. how is Sherlock if you um, move his meal to after his walk? Uh, and then maybe he will eat those treats on the walk because, holy shit, mom didn't feed me this morning. And then your scale of judgment tips in the correct direction because now your treats weigh more than the motorcycle, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's one idea. Um, and then the other is... Uh, the concept that you just mentioned, which nothing in life is free. So did you hear Freya just now? I think I did. She like honked. Hang on. Let me in her sleep? No, she's awake. Do you need help? Oh, hi. Do you need help? Freya, do you need help? She can't get on and off of the 
couch. Oh. I know, she's getting old. Girl. I think she's okay. Um, we'll hear her <laughs> cry again if she's not. So, um, yeah, so the concept that nothing in life is free, and this is another thing that scares people, uh, but this is really the most useful um, technique. And like you said, food is a major resource. And if your dog thinks food just grows out of their bowl on the ground, <laughs> you're wasting your dog's primary reinforcer, which is the strongest reinforcer there is. It doesn't just have to be food, though. We have other resources in our dog's life. Water, a place to lay down, um, and then we can get into, you know, the more fun ones like a ball, a walk, belly rubs, you know, whatever it is. If you can make your dog work in exchange for the, the things that they need... Um, your dog's going to feel a lot more inclined to work for you because they know what their paycheck is. Mm -hmm. So we used to call these life rewards uh, when, when you and I were teaching because if we called them resources, I think people get a little um, nervous about them. But really, <laughs> life rewards is just another, another word for resources. And what I always said is to figure out your dog's resources is to make a list and title it why is Spooky wagging her tail? And I go and I write down all the times that Spooky wags her tail, okay? When I feed her. Um, when I um, throw her favorite toy. When I pull out her leash. Okay, so when I pull her leash out of the drawer, she goes bonkers. So the leash is a reinforcer. How can I use this to improve my dog's motivation in the future? I ask for behaviors I ask for behaviors before I pull the leash out of the drawer. Not after. After I pull the leash out of the drawer, the dogs are too stupid to do anything. Right? They're yeah. like swirling around on the ground and crying and hopping up and down. Um, but I can have them sit and lay before I pull the leashes out. And then they are learning that if they do what I say, they get to go on a walk. So I don't have to say, if you do what I say, you get food. It can just be... If you do what I say, <laughs> limping. Um, Everyone's walking around. If you do what I say, you get to go on a walk, right? So that's just a whole other reinforcer you have. It's like, okay, so you have your treat pouch on one hip, and it has kibble yeah. and, and some chicken, maybe like two or three levels of rewards in there. Kibble would be a low-level reinforcer. Um, a crunchy treat would be a medium level, and then like a soft treat would be a high level. And then on your other hip, you have your metaphorical treat bag. And inside of your metaphorical treat bag, there is dog parks and um, walkies and belly rubs and tennis ball and uh, mom comes home from work and dad comes home from work. And, and this list goes on and on and on of all of these things that make your dog happy. If you're in control of the things that make your dog happy, your dog will ask you for access to those things. And it mm -hmm. creates this really like powerful two-way connection and your dog feels better because your dog is capable of actually getting, you know, understanding how they get the thing that they want rather than a dog that just literally throws their body at the door repeatedly until you get inside because they have deluded themselves in their sweet little doggy brains to think that they need to body slam the door to get mom inside. <laughs> now, if the resources you coming home and your dog is, is uh, engaging in a, a behavior you dislike, 
you just have to wait for the dog to behave in the uh, to act in the behavior you do like, and then you give them the resource, which is your attention or you know whatever it happens to be in that moment. Freya's here now. She's walking all. Oh, hi, sweet girl. Okay, bye. She just, she, you know, she has to drink water. Yeah. Like, you know, she bites the water. She can't use her tongue anymore. Yeah. So she just sticks her whole snoot in there and she, like, chomps the water. But that means when she, after she drinks, um, her whole head is wet. Like, her whole head is wet. And so, because we have to get her these really deep water bowls so she can do it. Um, so she comes out of the, the bathroom after drinking water and her whole, like, head is wet. And so we have rags all over the house so we can just, like, dry her snoot whenever we need to. But if I miss it, which is what she did just now. She walked in the kitchen and did a full shake, and now there's just like oh, dogs no. dog water all over the walls. So this is my reality. Could you teach her how to drink out of like a hamster water thing? I don't think she has the tongue to do that. Because her tongue is very um, short and thin now. Like she I'm trying to think like, like, is it just, it's just pressure? Like if she just tilted her head up? I mean, maybe. Would it come out? Yeah, maybe. It's complicated because so she all of the muscles in her in her face and her neck um at, atrophied. Like she she's sunken and her eyes are sunken and she doesn't have her tongue anymore. Um, and otherwise she's doing great, but she looks like a you know pinhead. Um, and uh, she she just I mean, she can't get the tongue out. Like she used to be a big kisser and she would lick our faces a lot, and she can't yeah. um lick our faces anymore. So she takes her nose and just like gently rubs her nose like over our cheeks and over our lips because that's like her idea of it's really sweet um i just don't think she can put the pressure needed to get the hamster I, I like the idea because her body would be more vertical and part of her problem is that when she um eats and drinks we have to put everything up like on higher levels like you do with like a great dane or something like that but anyway yeah she's we call her old drippy <laughs> <laughs> that's her that's her yeah princess drips a lot okay we were talking about um li- life we? rewards yeah so um i think the big thing with life rewards like sure make a list and make a plan and say okay every time i let my dog out of his crate i'm gonna ask him to sit and every time i give my dog his dinner i'm gonna ask him to sit lay sit spin high five and every time I go on a walk, I'm going to ask my dog to lay for 30 seconds quietly before we leave the house. I don't care what behavior you do um, in exchange for the resource. It will work um, no matter what you give a resource in exchange for a behavior. But you'll do yourself a favor if you request the behavior that would make that moment easier. Um, yeah. So for my dogs, they have to sit while I pull the leashes out. And they actually have to remain sitting while I put their leashes on. This is a really hard one for them, and sometimes it means I don't get to leave the house for five, six minutes while I'm, like, waiting for them to calm down and sit back down so I can bend down and put their leashes on. But they don't get the resource of me harnessing them up until they give me the behavior I'm looking for, which is being chill. And you know what? I don't have to beat my dogs or yank my dogs or shock my dogs to get that because I'm actually just dealing in the currency they want to deal in, which is let's go on a fucking walk. Great, we're going to go on that fucking walk as soon as you fucking listen to me. But you don't have to, don't, keep, keep the frustration in your head. Don't put it into the dog. It's going to take you longer to get what you want than if you just like lean against the counter and stare, stare at the ceiling like I do. And then finally they're like, 
okay, I guess I'll sit. And then I turn at them and I'm like, wow, awesome, let's go on a walk. And every time that we do it, it gets a little bit shorter and a little bit shorter until they just sit and stay seated while I leash them up. How long do you have to use food or life rewards for, for training? So life rewards you'll probably use forever. They are more of a system that you put in place um, that will kind of explain to your dog, um, if you do this, you'll get this. And when you keep that system in place, it's, it's very, very simple. What do you do when you feed Sherlock? Um, he has to sit and wait, and I take my time putting my food, putting his food into the bowl, and then I just release him whenever I feel like it. And is he patient? Yeah, sometimes uh, when I go to, like, unpop the lid on the food jar, he barks, like, out of excitement. But he just kind of stares at me and sometimes will drool while he waits. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he knows if he sits and waits, he'll get his food. And if he runs over to you and jumps up on you, you're going to take even longer to make his food. So I think weight is honestly... I think we said this when we did our weight stay episode, but yeah. weight is the behavior I use the most. And it really is. God, because it, what weight is, is weight is exchanging for life rewards. That's all of what weight is. And so if you tell your dog, wait, now you'll get the food, wait, now we can cross the street. What you're instilling in your dog is if I'm patient, I do what I want. Where mm-hmm. when a dog comes to you before training, the dog thinks if I'm as excited as I can be, I'll get what I want. And Mm -hmm. so it's important to make sure you are delaying that dog's excitement until they've given you the behavior that you're, you're looking for. Weight is a good one because you can do this on the walk. And I do this all the time on the walk. I'm sure you see it in your store, but like people come in with dogs and the dog is literally dictating where they go. Oh my God. Literally the the dog is let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. And the owner just is dragged and is just followed. And some people think it's kind of funny or kind of cute. Oh, I let my dog pick where we're going. Um, But also, real quick, you're stronger than your dog. You can just, you don't have to move if your dog moves. Well, that's the thing is they think that they're like, oh, this is what she wants. And I'm fine with recognizing what your dog wants. But if you just let the dog pull you, you're reinforcing pulling which you're then going to be pissed off about in six months from now when your little puppy is big. Um, So here's the thing. Spooky does this all the time. She wants to go left. I was walking to the right and she pulls really hard to the left. I have a moment to decide. I can either deny her of what she wants and say, leave it and we can walk my direction. I can see that my dog really wants something and I can seize that opportunity to work on my dog's real world motivation so Spooky wants to go towards Denny's and it's always she wants to walk towards Denny's because it smells like fucking pancakes and sausage. It's the only and bacon, yeah. <laughs> it's the only place she wants to go is to Denny's. She goes every time. Um, so Spooky wants to go to Denny's. Great. I know that the grass in front of Denny's is a big reward for her because she likes it so much. So I see her pulling that way. I say, okay, fine, we can go to Denny's. But I don't let her drag me there. She stops, she sits, she waits. I walk a couple feet. I release her. She has to heal three feet. Then we stop. She sits. She waits. I put her through this like ringer of behaviors and then she gets to go to Denny's. And I've, I've increased my motivation level so much because she's learned, oh my God, my mom owns Denny's. 
look around your dog's life, find the things your dog likes, and then take those things and put them in your metaphorical treat pouch so you can use them later. I like that. You own Denny's. I own Denny's. I own the dog park. I own every toy in the toy basket. I for sure own the meat in the fridge. Um, I I even own access on my bed. My bed is really high (laughs) up, so my dogs can't really jump onto it without like a little bit of assistance. Um, And so they sit, they ask. Freya um, paws at the... um, the footboard of the bed so it makes a little scratchy noise um and then you know i'll help them onto the bed so my dogs aren't just jumping up the side of the bed and like howling at me to let them up they perform a patient behavior and uh it's really you can use this system to just replace a behavior you don't like with a behavior you do like and just Mm -hmm. use the same reinforcer that your dog was trying to um, earn in the first place i like that Maybe that's, I'll do, I'll do that for sure. Like, I mean, he can't jump on the bed, but I can make it more of a resource. Yeah. I mean, if he wants, I mean, he does like, he does sit nicely and stares at the bed when he wants to go up. Then you got it, you know, but you just look around your life and say like, what else could I, uh, if you have like in your case, you and your boyfriend, um, you, I know he's like Sherlock's like number one resource for whatever reason. Um, you can put Chris at the end of the, the block. And you make Sherlock do like a nice heel and all this like sit, wait, sit, wait. Um, and once he gets there, you know, the reward is like, oh, dad's over here. That's like so yeah. awesome. Just use anything that he happens to be reinforced by and do a little practice. And then, you know. I like that. Okay. So I'm going to, my, my homework will be do uh, making him do a couple behaviors before getting onto the bed. Mm-hmm. And then when he pools to go in the direction he wants to go in on the walk, using right. it to my advantage, because that's right. another thing he does. So that's, I mean, and I wouldn't every time let your dog dictate where you're going. Maybe yeah, make yeah. it like 50-50. Sometimes yeah, pulls... we talked about we talked about that when he was being a dictator. Right, right. On uh, walks. But yeah, so if he wants to dictate where he goes, great, but make him do something for it. Like we were talking about last time when he dawdles and he lays down because he wants to just like see what's mm-hmm. going on. Great. You see it. You say, okay, Sherlock's telling me he wants to take a, a people watching break. I'm going to make him walk five more feet and I'm going to make him do sit, lay, sit, lay, sit, lay. And then he can people watch. So it's like, you can totally listen to your dog's wants and give them what they want. Just make them do a little something first. Uh, it's so powerful and your dog will love knowing how to get what they want. Yeah, they think they're outsmarting us. Right. They're like, ah, oh, this human does what I say. But really, you you um, <laughs> taught them how to ask. So that's very useful. Cool. That was, that was good. I think that's we got some useful stuff in there that might help some people. Definitely. Um, Audrey, so what, I have Audrey a... what's... No, no. Shh, shh, shh. Audrey, what's wagon? So, <laughs> Sherlock's tail was wagon last night. Because we had our first snowfall yesterday. And Sherlock loves the snow. Um, So when we got home, you know, we normally like make dinner and feed him and then go out for a nighttime walk. But I was too excited for him. So we, uh, (laughs) we got home and I was like, let's take him out like right now. So we took him out, you know, put his coat on and everything. And then he, I was like, Sherlock, it's snowing outside. And and he ran outside and he was so happy. He ran, we ran the entire way because he just like wants to run and flop around in the snow. Does so he chomp much. on it? 
No, he just like likes to jump in it. I don't know. And pee so on cute. it. Yeah, make it yellow. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for him. I wish um I wish I had snow to play with my dogs in. We drove up Angeles Crest last year, you know, and there'll be like three inches of snow and it's all hard because it melts and freezes and melts and freezes and the dogs are just like, What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. It's like, like this isn't icy. Yeah. I was like, just sit still. Let me take a couple photos for Instagram. <laughs> no, we got like plush snow and it stuck too. So it was like, it was so good and it was nice and fresh. So he was super happy. I'm so happy to hear that. You got to take a video of him being happy in the snow for me. I will. I know I have some for sure, but I'll have to take a fresh one. Okay. Um, Freya's tail's wagging a little bit this week. Oh, what happened? Well, you know, we've been um, over the past couple years handling her um, mega esophagus in, in different ways. And she used to have to get in her high chair. Uh, she's not needed her chair for as long. We've been able to kind of decrease the amount of time she spends in her chair. Uh, we decreased from, tw- it was used to be 30 minutes and we decreased to 20 and she was at 20 for about a year. Um, and recently we decreased to 10. And now we um, have actually managed to make the shift to where she doesn't need her chair anymore. And we stopped using the chair. There's no reason to stop using the chair, um, except for the fact that her um, hip dysplasia is coming along to the point where sitting her up vertically and making her sit on her hips is not good for her. Um, Yeah. So she doesn't have to get in her chair anymore, which is great. She enjoys that. She used to try to like scurry away. Um, But now what we do instead is we call it the um, thunk jostle, the thunk jostle wiggle. Um, or like the jostle thunk wiggle, the jostle wiggle thunk. Maybe we'll call it the jostle wiggle thunk. But anyway, what we do is we bring her inside and she sits and she sits between her le- our legs and we, t- uh-huh. we tilt her little cone, her little snoot, her little um, pointy bit up to the, her nose. It's called a nose. Um, her little yeah, nose up to nose. the sky. I used like all of the other names we use for it. Her snoot, her cone. Pointy so bit. She, she points her little pointy bit up to the sky and we... Um, rub and kind of wiggle and kind of thunk gently on her throat and you can actually kind of hear like you'll hear her like cough or like a little bubble but if there was anything stuck in her throat we kind of like bounce at it and it it will fall down into her stomach um and then she's fine so great yeah i mean her her esophagus has gotten smaller i can definitely tell just because of she feels better and we have less issues and there's less regurgitation still happens sometimes um but I think she's happy that she's not having to get all the way up in the chair anymore. And she's been such a good sport for like two and a half years that she would get in that chair. No problem. Um, I don't think Lilu would ever let me do that. You know, nope. I don't think sure. I think Sherlock would take a ton of coaxing to, to do that. And Freya just was like, yeah. okay, I guess this is what I do now. Um, but it makes mm-hmm. me happy. And it makes Freya happy that she doesn't have to get in her chair, uh, that we found another solution for her. And that doesn't, you know, cause any pain in the back end. Oh, so it was a good week. It was great. a good week for our doggos. It was. You know what I just thought of hmm. when you're talking about the chair, fucking Shazer. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's interesting. So Audrey and I. But wait. Um, no, you want to tell the story? <laughs> no, you tell it. Okay. So Audrey and I had a dog sitting job. God, six years ago or something, and um, it was a like one and a half year old yellow lab. And a 14-year-old German Shepherd Collie or something. And yeah, I think it was a purebred Collie. Her name was Shazer. And um, she just looked 
like skin on a skeleton. You know, she was just so old, but she was a really sweet dog. And it was Poor so thing. funny. Well, it was so funny because the, the, um, Tybee, the, the lab was a lab puppy. So she's like insane on the walk and running around and Shazer, you just like drape the leash over her back <laughs> and she would just like slowly catch up to you. She just like walks really slow. Mm-hmm. She was so cute. But Shazer had mega esophagus and we used to have to put Shazer in a chair, a Bailey chair and, and sit her upright. Um, and I mean, a 14 year old dog with mega esophagus is impressive. They have a shorter, um, you know, lifespan usually. And she got mega esophagus when she was young. They said she ate um, styrofoam out of the trash mm. can. And that's what gave her mega oh esophagus. I think my personal thing for Freya is I think Freya got like mercury poisoning or um, the fish she was eating fucked her up. But, you know, we all just guess because they won't tell you. Um, yeah. They don't know. They can't tell. So, yeah, Shazer had the the had mega esophagus and you and I used to have to like crumble her food by hand and then like feed her the food and then put her in her chair and like back this big giant like old creaky collie into her chair and sit her upright so old do you remember when we came back and she had like shit all over the apartment yeah there was that and then she also at like one point she had like an abscess on her back end and I had to like stick my finger in and clean it out and then when I took her outside and she fell (laughs) the ledge you did get shazer to fall off the ledge there was like a three-foot ledge outside of the house and there were stairs and they were like no they were like just take her on that little grass area just to do her business real quick like she's fine just going up there (laughs) but like she knew the space (laughs) audrey called me and was like shazer fell i was like what (laughs) oh Um, it was so sad i think i think I think about Shazer really fondly, actually, because um, she is part of the reason we didn't freak out when Freya was diagnosed. You know, we we went to the vet and the vet was like, "Okay, here's her x-ray. This is what's going on. And I was like, oh, she has mega esophagus. And the vet was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I know a dog with mega esophagus. And so it was like, I knew I was going to need to get the chair and I knew what regurgitation was and I knew what her life was going to look like. And so I think it was easier for me to cope. Because I'd seen yeah. it before. And the fact that Shazer made it to, like, 14. 14? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And I think we're going to get a lot of years out of Freya. Because, you know, they said she was going to die when she's she was four. Um, and now she's six and a half. And she still goes on two hour-long walks a day. And, you know, plays fetch in the backyard. And she's got some issues, like the hips and, and the eating has to be specifically taken care of. But... It's just not that bad. And yeah. it was because we knew Shazer that that gave me a lot of confidence. And I always felt like I wanted to contact those guys again um, and tell them that. But I don't have their contact information anymore. I saw I saw um, I saw them walking uh, with Tybee. The lab. Yeah. Look at this piece of hair that I ripped out of Sherlock and then I Turned twisted it, it together like a dreadlock. What are you going to do with it? Save it forever. Yeah. No, they can't. Put it in like a locket. Yeah, no, I'm going to make it into a ring. No, I'm throwing this away. <laughs> My new business, dog rings. I have plenty of hair, so. Okay, sure. well, um, have a good week. I guess I'll see you Friday. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Okay. Um, think about what you want to talk about next week, and we'll. Okay, do of... we have to say anything else? No, I think, oh, yeah, we have to say bye. 
Um, so thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at triple F dogcast. Uh, you can email us at triple F dogcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us any uh, questions or topics or weird shit or tail wags that you have in your life. And we're also on Patreon. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, if you enjoy the show, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, please. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.